So we get to the hospital, and my friend Adam pulls right into the emergency bay, like where the ambulances go, and just goes running in and comes running out with a wheelchair. And the next part of the story, I like to remember, or like just tell from the nurse's perspective. It's like, very quiet Sunday uh, in, the, in the ER, and then all of a sudden the doors pop open, and just a herd of college kids come bursting through. And the first two go find their own wheelchairs and start racing them up and down the hall. <laughs> Another guy makes a beeline for the waiting room and just passes out on the floor. Not on the bench, on the floor. And then last but not least, me and Adam. Adam pushing me in with balloon-sized feet and orange Metamucil cakes all over my face. And I started to go into shock, so I was losing consciousness. And Adam's uh, solution to this was to slap me in the face. And it must have taken the nurses like a few minutes to wrap their brain around this because he got in like six or seven good. Like, just beating the shit out of me. Uh... To the Blackout Diaries, the show where stand-up comics plus everyday people tell true drinking stories. I'm your host, Sean Bear Flannery. And I'm CJ Sullivan, and each week here on the Blackout Diaries, we have a different theme when it comes to debauchery and drinking. And this week's theme is the jovial 9-11 tragedy. <laughs> We're coming up on it, actually. I didn't even think of that. We're, I didn't uh, realize Maybe this that. episode will be out uh, for the seasonal celebration of 9-11. Yeah. It's, because uh, it is an interesting day for us drunks. I think what a lot of people, the media narrative, mm-hmm. especially in patriotic times or, or tra- times of tragedy, is mostly run by sober people. Right. And what they don't realize is that we had a different kind of struggle that day, us drunks or former drunks. Yes. And that we were completely hungover and wildly out of the loop. Well, it's so funny because we had our, our generation had our JFK moment, like where were you when JFK yep. happened, you know? Mm-hmm. And now it was where were you 9-11 and everyone tells their 9-11 story. And all of us, all of, we all have, of course, great 9-11 stories of where it was or individual ones. But they, the theme is we're all just hung over and recovering because <laughs> it was a Tuesday morning <laughs> early, <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean, <laughs> before work. And... <laughs> and, and it was a stretch of like beautiful weather across yes. the country. So we were all out partying, mm-hmm. like summer partying the night before. Part partying, and we were in our young 20s. And uh, I yep. believe Monday night was Lions Den open mic in Chicago. So mm-hmm. we all hit that pretty hard, you know. And yep. then we all in different directions. And so we were all scattered across, crumb balls, hung over while, while we were under attack. And we all made uh, assholes of ourselves yeah, the next sh- morning. We sure did. We all have great stories. We'll talk about that after the uh, interview with the great Shane Cope. Co- who is with us today is our guest who tells a hilarious story about getting in a fight and uh, I think he watched 9-11 in a hospital. He watched whatever. 9-11 from a hospital bed <laughs> um, also hung over and in a lot of pain. Which almost <laughs> seems like that like Mission Impossible or some movie like that where like, they fake something on the TV oh, yeah. in a hospital too. Like, you know, or something, something always you know, some world news is happening on a hospital TV. You know, like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that situation happens. That's crazy. He said, you're right. It is, it is coming up. It probably is out when, when, when you guys hear the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it's what, 22 years ago? Is it? Is it? Yeah, because this is 23. So that yeah. sounds right. Yeah, well, yeah, it is. Yeah, Because that's what 9-11 has now become to me now, you know, is when you mm-hmm. meet people that were born after 9-11, you know, you're like, gee, I can't handle this. You know, I'm too old. Yeah. You know what oh, I mean? I've, like, I've always said the only, like, I, I feel like physically I'm in just, I mean, maybe this is a testament to how sh- out of shape I was in my 20s, but mm-hmm. physically I'm in as good a shape as I've always been. Right. I don't feel that old. I don't feel I look that old. But when, the, only, the only time I ever feel old is when I go into a bar and I see what day you have to be born on to drink. <laughs> right. You have and to be born after so this so much date. earlier I than I would mentally calculate off right. the top of my head. That's a good, that's a good point. And you're right. That, a bar is okay. I get that. 
But when Seven Eleven has that shit for like cigarettes, okay, get those off the walls. <laughs> we don't. I don't need to see who seventeen, what seventeen years ago was. You know, I mean that's like two thousand ten or something. Like, like dear why Lord. do we even have that? I know because it can't. It can't deter anything. If anything, it makes it easier <laughs> to lie about your age. Right. So all you're doing is you're making people feel like shit for no. That's all reason. it is making us feel fucking terrible. <laughs> So yeah, anyone. That's uh, what it should be. It's like if 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 you feel the the customer's been overserved and needs to slow down, that's what they should do. They're like, yeah, hey, I'll have another uh, whiskey soda, buddy. Mm-hmm. Did you look at that sign? <laughs> you know, how old are you? You know, look at that because that's what a twenty one year old would right. be today. Yeah, yeah. You know, you and you want to have your fifth whiskey soda. <laughs> All right, or just depending on the order, the drink you order. They they should have years for like. Uh, what kind of drink you order? You have to be born after this year to order a Jack and Coke or something like that, you know? Yeah. Or a cider. Or, or like White Claw. Yeah. Like, White yeah, Claw you have certain year. Yeah. You can't be older than 27 and order White Claw. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. You know, like, yeah, it, it should be like a metered age range for right. what you're allowed to do. It should go up and down the line, too. You want a, you want a grasshopper? Okay. You have to be born before 1955, <laughs> you know? Or a, a stinger or something like that. <laughs> Was that us? So we're talking about on this episode the the, uh, the uh, rusty nails. Was that this? Oh no, that I forget what episode that was. But yeah, we were talking about uh, we were talking about Kalua for some reason. And well, then we, I, got the uh, dram, I told that story. Drambui, because Drambui, yeah, Drambui's in the rusty Drambui. nails, Scotch and Drambui. Yeah. And is Drambui in, in any other fucking drink? I think that, that no. <laughs> Did I? I don't know if I told that story. I think I told it, but maybe I didn't. Or if I have, it probably hasn't been released. But yeah, I because uh, this is funny. This combines two recent things we've been talking about. Yeah. I did a show once where the Drambuie reps came out. So like uh, show ends, all these hot women come in, uh-huh. and they had already like uh, it was a Drambuie event. The show was a Drambuie event too. Yeah. So they invited like all these models and everything. Yeah. So it's like me. And like Chicago's most attractive people, right? And they're giving away free Jambui, but it's only rusty nails yeah. and hot twenty-one. No, so I basically have like nineteen that. rusty nails <laughs> just because no one else wanted to even touch it. Like they acted like it was pig swill. Like like they're like, yeah, what? Of course, yeah, they don't know what that is. Um, it's funny. It's funny. Yeah, because Drambuie is literally in no other drinks. I think they like they're like the person like you know they 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 date they found someone to date scotch and they know they're never going to do better than this. Like, <laughs> I'm going to marry scotch. I'm Whatever scotch, scotch tells us to do. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> this is my life. Count your lucky stars. You found someone to love you. <laughs> yeah, and you you only buy Drambuie with scotch. You never right. buy. It's like RC it Cola. Like it only comes with pizza. You like yeah. like nobody buys RC Cola in and of itself. It comes right. with pizza. Yeah, and Drambuie nobody sh- buys Drambuie without scotch. Yeah, Drambuie shows up to the party. You, you're asking, oh, where's Scotch? Could Scotch not make it tonight? What happened? Is Scotch out of town or something? Is Scotch doing something at work? Why? Why is Scotch not with you? <laughs> oh man. Anyway, this is our 9/11 episode. As we said, <laughs> we guys, we get into a bunch of rusty nails. The uh, twin towers of cocktails. Yeah. Uh, tower one is Scotch. Tower two is Drambuie. A lot of shit. Damn was said with that. That's what I was taught in bar uh, barber school, bartender school, Sean. Um, you you it's so funny. I went to bartender school, which was just, it's this week long fucking whatever thing. Me and my buddy did after high school, and uh, you know a makeshift bar, and you would learn to make these drinks that nobody orders anymore. Oh yeah, and, like rusty nails, and you would get acronyms like that, and uh, that's what that's what how I remember. I'll, I'll remember, remember for the rest of your life. You when, you, when you oh, step- it's like when you spell spell um, remember the Great Lakes by yes. Holmes or something like that. Like so, you're remembering the different exactly. ingredients in the cocktail. So they okay. say if you step on a rusty nail, you say shit, damn. Scotch Drambuie, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and he had a he had a thousand of them for drinks that no That's one hilarious. ever, yeah, that no one would ever orders. Oh, someone wants a kamikaze? That was a very tragic landing. Vodka, triple second lime juice. <laughs> I love that. I real quickly before we get into nine eleven, yeah, because um, I haven't seen a bartender school in ages or right. heard of that. Yep. And the other day, uh, you know, I uh, I bike around a lot, mm-hmm. and the other day. I get stuck at a train track when I'm uh, biking, and next to the train track is just this, like, brick shed with Uh one door. And I assume, I'm like, oh, that must be, like, owned by the railroad company. It's, like, some sort of uh, workhouse. I'm like, oh, but it's not connected to, like, the power line. I'm like, and I get a little closer. I'm like, what is that? And it just says, 
triple a bartender school yeah yeah it's always it's, it's always like one, usa bartending or some weird yeah, like next to a railroad like it's completely off by itself like the grass is overgrown but i think it's still used because like there's yeah. a path there and everything and i'm like i just imagine walking into that with i'm gonna turn my life around <laughs> with this career <laughs> this is gonna open up so many doors. Uh, that's they're they're definitely preying on the desperate when we got there. Yeah. We were we were right out of high school. Me and my buddy, we did it. They promised you a job, and they did give us a job. It was like at some old man, whatever, like hotel or something mm. like that. But uh, and then they give you. A, <laughs> but there's it, the, the people that teach it are hilarious. You know, it's like comics teaching comedy class, but in the bartender world, yeah. washed up bartenders. Yeah. They got old bartender stories. They they idolize the movie Cocktails. You know, with Tom Cruise, <laughs> they have they have that poster framed up there. Like that's going to be the dream for you. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty. It was pretty nuts. <laughs> That's awesome. Anyway, let's get into Shane's story about one of the worst tragedies to ever hit America, 9-11. It's not all about that. It's actually a very funny drinking story. Uh, so without further ado, give it, without further a brew, that was the first one we used to do. There we go. On the Midnight Brewery. Give it up for Shane Copeland. Hey, that's me. Thanks for coming out, guys. How you doing? Give it up for the Butterloss, please. Uh, I'm going to tell you the story of the night I got drunk and shattered both of my heels. And then miss 9-11. And before before I get into this story, because parts of it get a little low, uh, just know this, I'm okay. And I know I'm an idiot. so this happened uh, during a time a lot of people called college, and I called it, uh, I called it college also, so it was similar. Uh, I used to go overboard uh, for any football fans. I used to go overboard for any kind of football event, like for example, my senior year for the Super Bowl, I, uh, I put my entire student loan check down on a deposit for the Super Bowl party, and I got seven kegs, hired a caterer, uh, rented a big screen TV, had t-shirts printed up, hired strippers for halftime, and then I ate canned food for a month, waiting to sell tickets to the Super Bowl party and be able to live my life again. Uh, But this wasn't the Super Bowl, this is the very first year of college, and it was opening weekend of football, and we got a keg, and we wanted to get it into the laundry room to put it in the laundry room uh, sinks on ice, you know? but we had to take the door off the laundry room to fit it in. Uh, That comes into play. (laughs) And this was about eight in the morning. We started drinking at eight, and by noon, uh, any wrestling fans? A couple back there. Remember Mystic Dust? You guys? Yeah, 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 yeah. For those of you not uneducated, what Mystic Dust was, was this powder that a wrestler would throw in another wrestler's eyes, blinding him temporarily and gaining an advantage. My friends and I got our hands on some Metamucil, so... (laughs) Around noon that day, we were just plastering each other in the face with Metamucil. Like, you'd walk out of the bathroom with just a face full of orange Metamucil. That's just to give you a a gauge on how the day was going. By 10 o'clock that night, one of my friends brought up the fact that we still had that door, and another friend was like, we should smash it. And I was like, yeah, we should. Yeah, Yeah, we should. So I came up with the idea that I would jump off of the roof and smash the door, sticking with the wrestling scene, obviously, that we had set for the day. And I went onto the door, like, right above the on like the awning above our doorway and uh, we had it all set up and then I got up there and the showman in me took over and I was like this isn't going to be impressive enough so I pulled myself onto the actual roof and went to the pitch of the roof 25 to 30 feet uh, and I jumped off and when I was in the air I was like holy fuck I just jumped off a roof (laughs) and I tensed up and like went like a board which don't do that if you ever and I drove my heels were the first thing to hit the door, shattered them beyond any kind of recognition. Uh, I'm gonna have to marry a woman with great heels so our children don't have club feet. Uh, <laughs> no, I shattered them and I went to stand up and I just melted out underneath me like there was no heel to hold my body weight anymore. Uh, and my friends were like, we gotta take him to the hospital. So my friend Adam, who was the most sober, which 
was a tough competition to win that day. Uh, I think it was a dead heat, if you ask me. But anyways, Adam pulls the car up onto the front lawn, and all my friends wanted to come for the ride, so four guys got in the back seat and then put me on their lap. <laughs> and off to the hospital we go. Uh, sorry, dry mouth. Um, you think I would have stopped doing that too. Uh, so we get to the hospital and my friend Adam pulls right into the emergency bay like where the ambulances go and just goes running in and comes running out with a wheelchair. And the next part of the story I like to remember or like just tell from the nurse's perspective. It's like very quiet Sunday uh, in, the, in the ER and then all of a sudden the doors pop open and just a herd of college kids come bursting through. And the first two go find their own wheelchairs and start racing them up and down the hall. <laughs> Another guy makes a beeline for the waiting room and just passes out on the floor. Not on the bench, on the floor. And then last but not least, me and Adam. Adam pushing me in with balloon-sized feet and orange Metamucil cakes all over my face. And I started to go into shock, so I was losing consciousness. And Adam's uh, solution to this was to slap me in the face. And it must have taken the nurses like a few minutes to wrap their brain around this because he got in like six or seven good. Like, just beating the shit out of me. Uh, and then I don't remember a ton after that. I do remember the real paramedics coming in and yelling at Adam to move his car because they had an actual emergency and we had blocked the emergency room. Uh, and as Adam was walking out, he's like, and I'm also going to guess that that's your friend in the garden out there. You might want to get him. I guess one of my friends had just gotten out of the car and walked right out front and passed out in the flowers. <laughs> so they get me, they admit me to the hospital and, and they give me morphine right away. They didn't ask if I had been drinking because, you know, it wasn't like there was any warning signs or anything. <laughs> they give me morphine, so I'm almost completely out of it. And I, the last thing I remember that night was a surgeon coming in and being like, I've never seen a break this bad. I don't know what I can do for you. And in my head, I was like, oh, fuck, he's gonna cut off my feet. <laughs> because like in movies and TV, when a surgeon says, I don't know what I can do for you, he amputates right after that. So I woke up in the morning with just staring at the hospital ceiling and I had no idea if I had feet. Uh, <laughs> And it was like the longest moment in my life, moving my head from like the position it was in to look down. And, uh, and I'm good, you know, I got, uh, had feet. And then 9-11 happened. Uh, I did this on September 10th, 2001. Yeah? So I didn't get a lot of sympathy that day. Uh, but I'm from, and I'm from Canada, which we have a healthcare system, so you can get drunk and jump off a roof and they'll pick up the tab. It's great. Uh, but the weird thing about Canada is like there's certain little things in our healthcare system that they don't pay for. Uh, and one of those things is the audio for your television set. So I woke up to the images of 9-11 and a lot of my head full of morphine, and I was like, what the fuck? Why do they keep playing Die Hard? Like, what the fuck <laughs> going on? <laughs> So because of booze, I was one of the last people to know about 9-11. Uh, and that's my story, guys. Thank you very much for sitting through it. You were fantastic. Let's bring the uh, ladies back up. All right, we're back. That was Shane Copeland with a hilarious heels first football story of destroying and how he experienced 9-11. And now we have Shane with us. Thank you for joining me and Sean in the Black Eyed Diaries. Good to be here. Yes, that was a hilarious uh, story. You must be excited now. The football is coming up itself. I like that's how you set up your story. Like, is anyone else been a football <laughs> fan? Like, yeah. Everyone's like, yeah, okay. So that's what I did. So I got kegs and jumped through. Whoa, what, what the hell fuck's that have to do with football? <laughs> it was a big deal in college. I took my, we had a thing called OSAP, which is like our uh, student loans in Ontario in Canada. Yeah. And I took my, they gave it to you half one semester, half the second semester. And I took my entire second semester OSAP check and put a down, like a deposit down on the Super Bowl party. And then ate like canned food for two weeks before I could recoup all the money. 
That's awesome. <laughs> That's such an irresponsible way yeah. to transfer that money to college. Yeah, people. it's supposed to last me <laughs> two lump sum yeah. checks. <laughs> it was supposed to last me to June. I was like, all right, I'll invest it now, and then a little bit to come back to me. <laughs> Sell tickets, you'll make your money back by the uh, you know, by yeah. playoffs. I did not make my money back, but we had fun. I for I bet I forgot Shane because it was so long ago that you were because you were a Chicago comic mm-hmm. uh, for many years, and then you moved out to L.A. and you were this was one of our first ever Blackout Diary show that you told us at, and I forgot that the, it was also a nine eleven story. Yeah, yeah, it was the day before. Well, it was actually the way I tell the story. I skipped the Monday, so it was Sunday football. Nine eleven was on the Tuesday. I just say, you know, I did it the day before for brevity's sake because, you know, the Monday mm-hmm. I was just lying in the hospital. Right. Um, I actually I, they took me to the wrong hospital. The place was kind of garbage. The wrong hospital. Like, a, they how took they me to a bad you? hospital it, that, like, like everyone it's... in the town that I went to college was like, "Don't ever go there. It's terrible." And they wrapped my feet in tensor bandages and just kind of left me there. And the worst, that was the worst part of the whole thing is when I got out of that hospital and went to the next place, my feet, when your heels break, your feet just point straight out because there's nothing holding it like this. So when I went to the next place, they had to put the, my foot on the doctor's chest and push my feet back into like a natural Ooh. position oh, when God. they're and then casting it. That was by far the most painful thing, the whole Good lord! Now this is a this is a unique show where two thirds of the people here have had their heels yes. shattered, right? From by yes. jumping off a roof from from, from roof yeah. injuries. <laughs> roof injuries. <laughs> I like to say roof choices, you, but yeah, I I did. And Shane, you'll be interested to hear this. So it, it's 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 a kind of devil's uh, gamut that you have to do when you jump off mm-hmm. a roof. Because uh, I once read that if you basically don't land. Uh, feet first, you will die. If the roof is over oh. ten feet high, the force you the the speed you get, if you don't land feet first, you will die. So Shane and I mm-hmm. are the rational survivors right. of a roof injury, where we say, you know what, our legs are going to bear the brunt of this, and we're just going <laughs> to hit it. Uh, we're going to hit it like a drill going into wood. You know. Yeah. Now, uh, <laughs> you guys, do you guys, did you guys both keep your legs straight? Is that how that works? There's like no knee bending because I imagine if you're if you brace yourself with the knees bent, your knees could shoot through your skin that way. And that's but if you keep them straight, like they might snap. But that's how you shatter your heels, I guess. You guys are giving me way more credit for I just made a choice in the air. And until right. this moment, I didn't know that I was facing death and I made a different choice. Uh, we've we've covered a subject many a time, but it's the drunken yeah. in choices that the, the mind makes during these dangerous situations, which keeps I you guess. alive. Yeah, right, I went John? stiff like a board yeah. and drove my feet in. But there was no thought mm-hmm. that went into that. That was just my instinct. Maybe I guess this, there's a survival mechanism in a drunk. And it's. It's interesting, <laughs> Shane, because I had the exact same experience where I went to um, Akron General Hospital after it happened. They're used to gunshot <laughs> victims. Mm-hmm. Like they, th- there was actually an escaped convict uh, while I was there, and like <laughs> this sheriff is like guarding us while they're looking at me, and they didn't put the cast on right, and then I had to go get like us. <laughs> It was funny because like you might want to get a second opinion on that. Like like what do you mean? <laughs> like like on the right. on the cast. But I had the same exact thing where I had to go to uh like a different hospital. And they recast. They recast me. Yeah. And it's interesting because I think that's another consequence of drunk injuries is you're mm-hmm. not also getting the A team ambulance crew that's gonna like route you <laughs> yeah. to the right the, you know, the right spot and you're not really being an advocate for yourself. And you gotta think the nurses are also like Okay, you're not high priority. You, you're an idiot. Right. Like my friends were <laughs> racing the wheelchairs down the halls. Like we were generally making yeah, their you, life you, worse. So. You, you tell that it's hilarious. Like you guys came in, like you know, got, like a clown car opening up in front of in front of the we yard. The like a couple guys racing too. wheelchairs. Right, and he's yeah. Wasn't he blocking the ambulance? Yeah, the, like, hey. Who's got the Ford Pinto block, uh, parked in front of the goddamn hospital door? We're trying to get we're trying to get stretchers. The in paramedics here. came in and, and, and yelled at us. And Adam, were not, Adam was your driver. Yeah, if we recall from the story, he was the one slapping you in the face, trying to get the uh, when you're going to shock. That was his. Like I got mm-hmm. this, and you had the. Uh, <laughs> was this at the, all at the wrong hospital? Now that I'm, now that you bring that up, and then you got moved. From yeah, the this hospital? is the first place I went, and then 
after okay so they probably they probably made the call yeah you're gonna need to go to the one that's got uh morphine <laughs> yeah. and- <laughs> more than tensor bandages right <laughs> Um, so when there's Metamucil on your face, that was a pretty funny thing with the yeah. magic dust of the wrestling thing you guys use. Um, so they're probably, like, they're probably like, where do we start with you? And also I had, we, had, we were at a foam party the night before. Okay. So I had swim <laughs> yeah. goggles that they were handing out at the foam party <laughs> that I was wearing to defend against the Metamucil. So I had two white yeah, circles sure. around my eyes and the rest of my face was orange. <laughs> oh, man. That's I mean, like that, I will say like that, like the residents who are working that shift get a lot of For experience, sure. you know, when those injuries <laughs> come in, like there's just a, a gamut of things they have to diagnose. Yeah. Um, I feel like I would almost party like that more if I lived in a country with nationalized health yeah. insurance. Right. Yeah, I walked out without a bill. It wasn't, uh, I don't know what you paid for your <laughs> amazing. Was it, it was expensive, Be- I will say. Because you weren't yeah. you weren't gonna fall for the old pay for the volume on the TV trick. I like that. Didn't get the audio <laughs> for 9-11. All right. It was so weird. And then years later, I've had two surgeries to correct them. And the first surgery I had, my girlfriend had to go buy crutches because that was one thing that wasn't included. So like I think I the she had to go get crutches before I could, Oh, they're like, you gotta figure that yeah, out. I just right. laid in the bed and waited until someone brought me crutches. We'll do the majors. Oh. You got to buy the accessories. Yeah. I kind of like that, actually. Kind of. What is so? You're. That. Are you from Ontario originally? Yeah. Born and raised in Georgetown, Ontario, just What's... like an hour outside of Toronto. Because I always picture, like, you know, we lived in Chicago together. Chicago is obviously a very big drinking city, but I, I picture Ontario as even crazier. Like, is that true or false? Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, I can't. I was a small town, right? So I think. I don't know if you guys are small town, but like, mm-hmm. there's nothing to do. So we would just go into a bush right. and drink. And yeah. Yeah. It's a binge drinking. Like I bartended in Ireland for a summer, which is another, you know, like drinking place. And the thing I noticed, the difference I noticed was they'll always drink, you know, like 11 in the morning at Ireland, they came into the bar, they would order a drink, but they'd have the same drink for two hours or so. In Canada, you get kind of like, we actually had a, a competition called Waco Johnny B's Beer Bonanza where every year we would get together and had 30 minutes to drink as many beers as we could possibly drink. And you could throw up once. If you throw up the second time you were disqualified and the trophy was a road pylon we had stolen. (laughs) So like Canada is just, it's like hitting a batter. Anyone can hit one batter, but two, you know, now, now it's intentional. Now it's like As the, the competition evolved, it would always end mm-hmm. when it was counting down to minute 30 with all of us just walking around, like holding our jaws, clenching our jaws closed, trying to hold it that second. Because oh. <laughs> you'd time it, right? You'd chug, you'd chug, right. and then try to like hold it off for the 30 minutes. But so this is all to say <laughs> like Canva's, it's more of a binge drinking place. Like, you know, we're not going to drink Tuesday sure. afternoon and have a beer really always. But when we drink, we're going to have 12 to 24 in the city. Well, yeah. And the, for half the year, the sun sets at 2 p.m. there. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you have no idea about how long the nights are. And... Yeah. And I feel like you have a lot of space to do these kind of stunts. And I feel That like, is true. You know what I mean? And I feel like, well, one, I feel keg beer automatically leads to this kind of stuff, these activities, too, like jumping off roofs. Okay. You know, like There's something in that period <laughs> of joy that has, takes that reckless gene, you know. Um, and Well, it starts with even just getting it up up the stairs right. to, you're, you're, you know, to it's stage already a project. it. And, and it's already a th- there's a little bit of, project, you know, yeah, almost, uh, like, um, like a King Arthur sword of getting it tapped <laughs> and, and right. getting it working right. And it starts getting like the adrenaline going. Yeah. Um, so then the, 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 the door thing I love, I, I take you, I take you took it out the door with that two heels oh, yeah, on the roof, yeah, right? It. it was gone. The blast. No right through. <laughs> and then, uh, <laughs> Now you went to school in Niagara, yeah, right? Saint Catherine, Niagara Falls area. Niagara Falls area. That's some of our favorite areas of drunken debauchery, okay. uh, where people of of just like old baseball stories. I know Sean likes people. People people used to die a lot in Niagara Falls just trying to cross it. And I can't imagine it's imagine it taunts you when you're night when you're drunk at night. You know, when you're a young man, like because of Niagara Falls, it, it it's just so epic. Anyway. Like, right? Yeah, exactly. yeah the- <laughs> like attracted to it, like the Green Goblin mask or something. Like you just have to get your. I was more lured. They had casinos, so we would often be oh, on the like, QEW at like three in the morning after the bar, going to the casino. Mm. Never a night swimming. In <laughs> Never Niagara? went in there. No, we were we 
we had enough to occupy ourselves. I once get, had saw one of my friends get wrestled out of the casino by another friend. <laughs> he won on roulette. What what were they arguing over? Where were they just? No, one guy wrestling? won a, a bunch of money on roulette and wanted to let it ride. And we had one like sensible friend who was trying to get him to walk away with the money. And oh, they had a literal man, wrestling Jesus. match on the casino floor. <laughs> he was trying to go back to the roulette <laughs> table. That's a, an, ama- an amazing friendship match yeah. right there. But uh, and, <laughs> and fuck, uh, I mean, if I if I could take a side there, yeah, fuck your responsible friend there. I'm, I'm with yeah. the guy who was on the streak. Yeah, you let, let him win. But. I'm surprised the casino yeah. just didn't kick out the reasonable guy. Yeah, absolutely. Like, we we don't need you here, buddy. I'm yeah. thinking back to the times we, the state we would show up at the casino, like how a, I mean, no one called the cops to, you know, put up a DUI checkpoint outside. Yeah. We never got thrown <laughs> out and we, it was ugly sometimes the way we would show up. No, that's what, yeah, that's what they want. Yeah. That's why they give that's you the their, so, probably you know, how they're <laughs> generating revenue at 3 a.m. to 5 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> now shane you live uh though in la mm-hmm. now um that's a huge drinking chain it's almost like you've been decompressing from deep sea from ontario to chicago to la yeah. right yeah LA. i wouldn't say what have you noticed in la about the drinking culture out there uh, i don't know i mean i'm i was an old person by the time i got out here so my drinking was i wasn't really going nuts but it's expensive you know i'm cj i'm sure you can relate like yeah go out yeah for, for sure before we had kids i think we my wife and i yeah we had like two three hundred dollars it's an odd it's an odd, it's an odd where it's it's actually kind of cheap to drink at home instead you can go to the grocery stores like like all those stores it's kind of cheap but the second you yeah. step out and drink out there it's very expensive so it's like it teaches you to stay at home and isolate yourself well, yeah, that, well, that's the story of L.A. L.A. is an antisocial yeah. city. You know, they want you stuck in traffic in your cars or drinking alone at home. Like, they don't want community spaces. Somebody gave... <laughs> I was complaining... Every episode of Beers Off or Sean just wants to take shots at Los Angeles. <laughs> it calls it a non... It calls it a non-city because we don't use public transportation. I'm, I'm 100% <laughs> with you, Sean. I do not enjoy this place. Uh, I was talking with someone about that, how, like, it's just... You talk to somebody here and they look at you like you're, I guess they have a lot of serial killers here. They've done well serial killer wise over the years. So maybe they think, yeah, they've done well. But I talk, like, you talk to a stranger. I'm from Canada. So I'm, you know, big on small talk. And if you talk to a stranger here, they look at you like you're out of your mind. Yeah. And someone explained to me once, it's like, yeah, well, everyone is isolated. Like they sit in traffic before the pandemic, right? Sit in traffic Mm -hmm. to work, sit in traffic on the way home from work. Never around people, whereas like Chicago, New York, you're shoving, you know, jumping on public transit. You're around people more often. So, yeah, what I find amazing is when you drive somewhere and you park, it could be a grocery store anywhere. If you look to the left, right or behind you, one of those cars next to you will have someone in it parked that's been there for at least an hour. <laughs> and they're either crying or screaming or doing something, <laughs> you know, like, a, a major some thing sort of is, breakdown yeah, of some major sort. Yeah. At any given moment. Inside, in and they have nowhere else to go. Right. They just like, just leave me alone in this spot in the post office. Like, all right. Yeah, at least in places like Chicago, we <laughs> cry on the bus or the, the, the train. Yeah, you got yeah. it. A bus or you go to a bar or something like that, you cry it off, right? <laughs> and you have you have the I feel the Canadian accent is the perfect accent for small chat because it's like the friendliest accent in the world. Like it, it just speaks of you know we're not going to get in an argument. Uh, we're going to enjoy our kind. Con- like what are people's reactions when they? Because I feel you have a relatively no, uh, that's, obvious that's what makes Canadian it more terrifying. Accent. That's why we think like, you're like, a killer. Yeah. What, what what are people's reactions when they they hear Nothing. your accent? No, no one's ever spoken to me here. I've been here like eight years. Never had a conversation. <laughs> I talked to my wife, and that's the way yeah. we like it out here. I don't talk to people. <laughs> that's amazing. All right, all right, Shay. Well, thank you for yeah. joining us. What else you got going on? Thank you on? so Would much, you buddy. Us, tell our tell our tell the audience where they can find you or anything. About uh, I don't do comedy anymore. It's been I write. Doesn't matter. You just bought tires. We can find bought you there. Tires. You just bought tires. Give, yeah. give give the audience some advice. Are you on, on, so, um, are you on socials at all or anything? I have them, but I am give pretty sure I forgot advice. my password years ago. I, you know, I, I don't want to force you to. I love anything. this. I don't want. I write instruction manuals if you need instruction this manuals. Is even oh, better. I like I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I write. These are the kind of people we find at the Blackout Diaries. We get them out of retirement yeah. for 10 minutes. You know, they have nothing to plug. They what just got the a good set of tires. What was the last the instruction manual I work, So right now I work for Google and I write 
the manuals for the deliver they're doing they're testing delivery drones so like a mm. drone will come and just drop mm. a package down on your uh yeah. on your front lawn or your driveway but they're doing a whole bunch of testing it's actually funny the problem that they're having is they need to make them lightweight enough that if it hits somebody in the face like if it's going around la or chicago that it won't injure them but because right. of that they can't they can't like getting a sandwich to someone is a struggle because these things are so tiny that they can't really lift a lot of weight. So <laughs> it's like uh, dragonflies yeah. or like big butterflies trying to deliver. And the modern sandwich now yes. weighs seven pounds. You know, like so it's it's a it's a difficult exactly. balance. So yeah, oh, if you who are, now your instruction manuals are for the staff yeah, I, that um, works on them. Then the operator. I mean, it's not I do for the, the manuals for the maintenance. That's what I'm working on right now. But like, yeah. So any employees that are maintaining these things, or there's guys that do like emergency process. So if it one crash, I, I think that's going to be a thing, dude. If that becomes like normalized, where we see them all over, that's going to be like a t- a, a complete drunk and like imagine you walk out of a dive bar you've been day drinking you're blinded by the sun you finally your eyes come to and you just see these drones (laughs) flying at you what drunk (laughs) isn't gonna attack them just straight up attack them you know grab the sandwich out of the air you know cj i don't know if you have them over in hollywood but they have the ones that are driving they're little like oh yeah i saw i saw i saw i'm not lying i saw i saw a woman on hollywood boulevard take a shit in one of those boxes before and it had the thing open in the delivery truck, truck sitting out having a time of her having a time of her life like cheering <laughs> it was pretty amazing <laughs> uh, and everyone was on her side yeah you're right absolutely that's the only way we could fight technology unimpeachable behavior <laughs> All right, well, Shane, Shane well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, guys. All right, we're back here in the Blackout Diaries with Sean Flannery and I'm CJ Sullivan. That was the great Shane Copeland. With the hilarious. Oh, man, I miss that guy. So funny. Yeah, he's great. I got to see him out here. But, yeah, that story, he, he tells a great story. I mean, the story's hilarious, and, and I, it, it is the funniest accent. I mean, I mean, the Canadian accent is just uh, so great. Uh, such a funny story. So, and and I love hearing. I actually, it's one of the subgenres of topics that I'm a sucker for are 9/11 stories. Yeah. Just because I, I love just the the variety of ways we just uh, misread the room. Mm-hmm. All of us well, hungover drunks. Well, it's great. It's it, 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 They make for great stories because one, obviously we all have the common theme. We all know the base, the nucleus of the story. You, you already, yes. you yep. don't have to paint the background. Everyone knows what happens. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, we hang out with people that aren't going to have boring ones that are doing something bad in their lives. <laughs> You know, <laughs> you hear someone else like you go to a cocktail party or something like that or whatever. You know, business center, and you meet when you meet normal people, I should say, and they t- and they used to tell their nine eleven stories. You'd be like, oh, yeah, I know. We you had the first pl- the first building hit. You didn't know it was an attack. I know. Yeah. Forty minutes later, then when the second one hit, you thought, okay, that's something's up. Yeah, we all experienced that. Everyone knows that. Now, what was going on with you? <laughs> like, yeah. I don't want to hear about the fucking details of nine eleven. We know that part. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, but we then, all, yeah, then you talk to people like. We hang out with, right. and they're like, okay, yeah. so my car gets towed the previous night, all right? So <laughs> right. I wake up. I'm on a public bench. <laughs> I'm right outside City yeah. Hall. I don't know about yeah. 9-11 yeah. yet. <laughs> it's Tuesday morning, so obviously I'm not home. <laughs> I have... Uh, I, I could tell my whole 9-11 story, but just just real quickly, because uh, I don't know if you actually know this detail of the story. I, I tell the story about what happened to me on 9-11 on stage, but there's a couple details that you're not familiar with. Yeah, well, get and when do I the got whole back, thing. Well, let wanna... me just right, first okay, start with, okay. I basically got fired on 9-11 because of 9-11. <laughs> I, I lost my job because of 9-11 due right. to a hangover. Now, I will first say I'm very proud of that, that I've only lost one job due to a hangover in mm. over 30 years of working. And, which and, is, and, that would be like if United Airlines was yeah. only late once. You know, and, I mean, right. that's a good record. And look what it, and look and, what it took and look what it took to get you fired. <laughs> Talk about extenuating circumstances. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Real quick, there was a side note. There was a guy, uh, we were watching one of those murder shows, you know, like Dayline or something, and it was like this guy who's like, uh, no, 
they're accusing a husband who didn't kill her, but it's like, did you hit your wife? Because I hit her once, like in 28 years. He's like, if you ask me, that's pretty good. He's like, what's <laughs> like, well, 28 years now? It was one time, and he, he, he talks about the situation or whatever. But that I, a lot of a lot of women would take that. Those are good numbers. <laughs> That's great. And I think a lot of employers would take that too. Absolutely. As long as the country isn't burning down, right. I will get there on time, Don't no care. matter how hungover I am. So when I left that morning, I didn't know about 9-11, and I'll get into the full story, but uh, this is a detail you didn't know about, and I didn't realize till I came home, and I had been fired from my job already, <laughs> uh-huh. that there was uh, a blinking message that I had a message on the answering machine that I unfortunately did not listen to, or I might still be working at this place, <laughs> and it was, it, was, it was my roommate calling from his job, yeah. and he's like, it goes like, uh, hey, Sean, um... I, I know I heard you get in pretty late last night, so mm-hmm. I just want you to know if you woke up late for work, um, America's under attack, <laughs> and I just think you might want to know that before you go into your job. <laughs> it was funny, and people have to realize that those were answering machine days, 2001. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, maybe you have a voicemail. Whatever, I didn't have a. Sm- I didn't. I had a cell phone for calling long distance, right. but there was no smartphone. There was no voicemail. No, nothing like that. Yeah, no, yeah. It was vo- It was machines, and then like we were yeah. like calling. People would call each other. Like you know, I guess what my friends did, and no, none of people, none of our friends knew how to uh, put it into words what was happening. <laughs> like like yeah. uh, under attack. I think uh, would one way to put it. Uh, and, and Armageddon, I don't know, something like that. Turn it, turn on anyway. You only, you only want to turn the TV on. <laughs> yeah, right. I wake up. So you did. So you, did, so you did not hear that message, but you. Heard I that did later. not hear that, and that was all the difference in the world. Okay. That that would have been that would have been big if I had received yeah, that. Yeah, huge. But I, because I woke up super late, I was supposed to be presenting at some meeting that was important, and my boss kept making a big deal that I needed to be on. I, I had a history of cutting <laughs> <it> close. <laughs> <laughs> That close I needed shave. a lot of close shaves. <laughs> a lot of close shaves. I will say, me being fired didn't come completely out of left field. <laughs> that that lawsuit would be amazing if you're saying you got you got fired because of nine eleven and they have a whole litany of other evidence. Your Honor, yes, it was unfortunate that it happened on that day, but <laughs> we're not here to litigate my past, Your Honor. Um. So, you know, he made a big to-do about how I had to be there on time. I wake up. I'm like, fuck. It, I need to be down there in 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. I lived in Wrigleyville. had to take the red line. There's no way I'm going to make it on time, but, you know, maybe they're running late. Throw on a suit. I had to wear a suit for the presentation. And this is back um, when you could smoke in bars. Mm-hmm. And my dress shirt that I put on, I had worn the previous night. Yep. And the dress pants, because I went out after work. Yeah. And... So they stunk of smoke. Uh-huh. And back then, when I was running late and I had to put on clothes from the previous night that stunk of smoke, I would just Febreze my whole... Like, I Honestly, Febreze was invented basically because of smoking in bars, in my opinion. <sighs> yeah, like, it was I, just a I quick agree. way to like fumigate, like defumigate yourself and just go out the door. Yeah. And yeah, maybe a cheating husband coming through. <laughs> it's just yeah. a quick like. <laughs> yeah, but it was basically ne'er do wells who, who totally finance it. Right. Anyone who kept an kept an actual clean house and wardrobe had no need for Febreze. It was right. just for people <laughs> who are like, I need to remove evidence of what I did last night. Break in glass in seconds. case of emergency. Yeah. Let's let's freshen you up. So I Febreze myself, run out the door. So I go from like waking up to in a suit to Febreze to on the red line mm-hmm. in like 10 seconds. Uh-huh. I mean, it, it, it's like Robert De Niro heat style. Like you need to be ready to get out that door in under 10 <laughs> seconds. If you feel like that's how that, that would back when I was like drinking real hard in my twenties, yeah. that's how my mornings were almost right. every morning. Like right. it was like a fire alarm went off and I had to run out the door and I'm like, buck, buck, buck. So I get on the red line and 9-11, both towers have fallen. The Pennsylvania disaster has happened. The, the entire tragedy has unfolded. And America knows about it, except for me. And I'm interfacing with these Americans that have already started to process this tragedy that I know nothing about. Mm-hmm. And I'm, go- <laughs> I'm going down on the red line. And I notice every car leaving the city is 100% packed. Um, but going down is like normal. <laughs> but everybody because all the offices have already closed. Right. It's very odd. Usually it's the that. other way. Yeah. Exactly. And then I start feeling like nauseous and um 
like sick and I'm like Jesus like this is a bad hangover and then like I'm, I'm like getting like these fumes and I look down and I see my my suit is like changing color like the gray is like turning like ash like white and that's when I realized I did not Febreze myself I spray painted Ajax all over myself <laughs> like a, a cleaning solution and I'm breathing in the fumes who knows if this is another terrorist attack? Everyone else on the train yeah. thinking you can you can have a suit of anthrax, basically. <laughs> so, I mean, like it starts hitting me these fumes and just yeah. being hungover, and uh, like I have to take a knee on the red line, and like my my hair's turning gray because um, I put it in my hair too, um, <laughs> and. Um, this dude, this young dude looks at me. I mean, young dude, he's probably like my age, right. like 20, you know, 23, 24. And uh, he just goes, sir. And he thinks I'm I'm uh, just grief stricken yeah. with the tragedy. And that's why I'm collapsing. He goes, sir, sir, it's going to be OK. It's going to be. And he's he's obviously talking about 9-11, the tragedy. I think he's just talking about how I look terrible due to mm-hmm. my hangover. <laughs> and we, we pull into my <laughs> pull into my exit and I get up and I go, buddy. This isn't even one of the 10 worst hangovers I've ever had. And then, like, walk out the door. <laughs> this is nothing. This is a regular yeah. old Tuesday for me. <laughs> like, been like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. What has that dude seen right. in life where, 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 this morning? You've been in Baghdad before this? What the fuck is going on? But, yeah, so then you go right to work. Go right to work, and they they immediately pull me into this like uh, like department wide meeting. We had yeah. we never had department wide meetings, so it's like two hundred people in this meeting. The CIO yeah. is giving a speech. He's like, "Listen, this is a oh." And I kept, I don't know how I got this in my head. I don't know if I overheard it or I created it. But DePaul was being evacuated. Like there were like mm. little like um like those blue police like beep beep yep. beep, and it was being evacuated. And somehow I got in my head that it was a bomb threat at DePaul and that it was like a fake bomb threat. Sure. Like, you know, uh, I didn't study for the final. <laughs> yeah. So I had some pledge I, in the fraternity uh, call right. in a bomb threat. I didn't write my paper. Let's get this. Let's get everyone. Let's, Which let's used to be done, in the, the 90s. That was done all the time. Absolutely. You know, right or wrong. It was barely 9/11, I will option. say that is one thing that 9-11 changed, that bomb threats were not <laughs> quite as. Uh, as prevalent. They cracked <laughs> down you know, more. They cracked down more. On yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> So I I walk into this department wide meeting thinking that um, what they're all anxious about is that DePaul has a bomb threat and it's the next building over. Mm. So it's very close. So I'm like, okay, yeah, this is hilarious. Mm. They're overreacting. And he's like, okay, we're going to shut the office. None of us know what's going on. Just go home and be with your family. And because I don't because I think it's just a fake bomb threat at DePaul, I celebrate and I go, (laughs) I I make I make somebody high five me. And I'm in front of everyone because I arrived late. I'm in front of everyone, so right. I'm like I'm not even seated. I'm like with the people standing behind the CIO, so I'm like visible to right. 100% of the room. You're you know? one of the representatives in a Ajax covered suit, <laughs> <laughs> sweating, looking terrible, and boy, do you get a sigh of relief. <laughs> And yeah, I just left. I went home and I like I think I found out I listened to that message mm-hmm. and I was like, that doesn't sound good. <laughs> and I went to my computer to look at news and my computer couldn't even load CNN.com. Right. And I knew enough about the Internet to be like, this is bad. <laughs> like if, if yeah. this many people are looking for news. Uh-huh. This is bad. And then I turned on the TV and every news report was doing it. And I'm like, OK. I'm pretty sure I just lost my job. <laughs> Who did you high five? Just another worker on your level there? Did Indian software that? developer. No, uh, Indian he software. maybe had worked with me once, barely knew me. Indian software developer. So he's already on eggshells. This is where American racism <laughs> is it's going to come up to yeah. uh, a T during a terrorist attacks. <laughs> and so you force him into the high five. <laughs> I force him into the high five. When they fired me, I did like I did feel bad, and I was like, "Look, sure. I want you guys to know, um, yeah. I would not have, I did not know about 9-11 right. when I did that. You know, I would not have acted that way. I would not have made Rajesh high five me <laughs> if you know I knew all that." 
<laughs> and they, to their credit, they're like, well, Jesus, Sean, we know that. Like, you're not an asshole. <laughs> but we, we, you work in security yeah. and you didn't know about 9 yeah. 11. I mean, you just, it, it's not a good look. You know? If anything, yeah, it, it's, it's, a, it's troubling in a lot of different other ways where it says. <laughs> Although in your defense, I mean, this is a different time when you could leave the house without knowing, you know. Yes. An event like that. And God forbid, you know, that was more innocent time. Yeah. And that's what I love about 9-11 stories is just that that, uh, confusion that – what happened? You right. know, like after you've just after you've calls. just done a really long social interaction where knowing that information would have been like really valuable and like sure. not, I uh do you remember my buddy Landon who used to live on my couch? Yeah. Oh, you know Landon cuz he lives out in LA now. I do know Landon. Yeah. I was just going to say real quick, I cuz I got a phone call just like yours from Michelle McShay, which was Bill White, Bill O'Donnell's first wife oh, yeah. the divorce and she was like <laughs> yeah. we were hanging out before and it was like, I was like loose hung over sitting on the bed and she, that's all I heard that voicemail on the machine. Like, so, turn on the TV. We're under attack. <laughs> like, talking like that. Anyway, yeah. give me a call back. And I remember, like, hung up, turning it on. Like, oh. And I kind of just rolled over. And, like, cause I'm, I'm a big fan. Like, well, there's, yeah. nothing, there's nothing I can do to this news. I can't. And you're right. It. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You know, it, it'll still be there. You know, I'm, I'm gonna, I'll catch the highlights, basically. <laughs> and, like, oh, God. All right. That's not good. And then went, went right back into it. So, anyway. So, Landon. Um, yeah, no, Landon was in was living in Manhattan mm. at that point in time. Yeah. But he was in Upper Manhattan and the Twin Towers had fallen, but he somehow hadn't known about it yet, mm-hmm. hadn't heard anything. Goes down to like the 7-Eleven below his building. Everyone there is dealing with this tragedy. He he goes up like they're all like talking to like the the manager just like you you know like small chat like oh my god, like this is so scary. What do you think? And he's like, "Whoa, whoa." Your slurping machine isn't working. He's like, what? <laughs> he's like, yeah, you, you need to go fix that. Like, right now. And he's like, are you serious? He's like, yeah. I mean, that's why people come in here as a slurpee machine. And he's like, makes this like makes this guy fix the slurpee machine right after 9-11. Because right. he doesn't know about like the 9-11 incident. <laughs> Which is exactly what a crazy racist would say. Fix the slurpee machine. Like, the slurpee is like Or the terrorists thing. win. Right, exactly. We, I mean, it, I wonder, it, it's almost too bad he didn't know about it and say that. Because mm-hmm. I, I wonder what the first person to say, or the terrorists win. Right. Um, that, was on 9-11. Or the terrorists win. Right. That became the, that's what she said, of 9-11 jokes. <laughs> yeah. Basically. <laughs> I remember I went out that night and um, we went out to Sports Corner. It was like one of the few bars yep. that was still open. Yeah. And I, I think I actually did say, or the terrorists win or right. something like that. You, yeah, you know, yeah, I yeah. was like, well, I mean, I've lost my job. I um, I mean, first of all, if you're fired after 9-11 the same day, uh, like that does mean they really want to fire you. <laughs> They're like, yeah. well, I got one more so, thing so you to got check fired, off on my to-do list. You literally got fired on 9-12? 11 I got a call later that day. <laughs> On 9-11. Listen, since we're in the office, we don't know when we'll be back. <laughs> i got to use company time to uh, let you know the obvious. You're not coming. You're, 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 you're let go. Um, but I went out, um, and I remember leaving the bar, and uh, that taco place underneath the tracks there was also open. I can't remember what it is. I think it's still there. It's right mm-hmm. by, uh, like, Wilton and Addison. Right. There's a it's taco right, right by Wrigley Field there, Sports Corner. And, yes. and that taco place underneath that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I remember um, there were newspapers like flying through the street. It was just really windy and yes. somebody had knocked over like a streetwise mm-hmm. or some sort of like free newspaper stand. And I see this guy trying to clean it all up. And I was like, all right. I'll help him. You know, why, you know, yeah. he, you know, he's alone. He's hurriedly doing this. You know, and so I start helping him. He's like, yes, that's what I'm talking about. You know, th- this is why we're dealing with all this shit. Is people don't help each other anymore. Thank you. Uh, you know, yeah. this is what we need in America. I'm like, I'm like, oh, okay. You know, I don't yeah. know if I can go that far, but fine. You know, we, <laughs> all right, bro, all right, brother. We we put it together, and then we uh, he walks into the burrito place with me, and I'll never forget how we ordered the burrito. He goes, two burritos for a couple of Americans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
And that's like when it hit me, I'm like, oh boy, this is really going to change everything, isn't it? Yeah, like people I do. are going to be pretty over the top. Yeah, I remember thinking that like, when it happened, like, oh, this isn't going to be the end of the story, first of all. No. There's going to be a yeah. lot more attacking on our part. And then, um, mm-hmm. yeah, and then, then weird patriotism and then uh, xenophobia that came with it. And like, I, I my guy, um, Speaking of the Seven Eleven employee in the ill time like that, I, I I was a White Hen Pantry before Seven Eleven bought them out in Chicago. Okay. White Hen Pantry. Now, disappointed were... by that, real quickly, if I may, for our old Please school do. Chicago listeners, I think the White Hen Pantry had such a better late night food options. Oh, absolutely, uh, than absolutely. 7-Eleven. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely, had much better food <clears throat> options, and it was a more of a personal touch too, because I felt that people yeah. working there were invested in it. You know, they they had like, you know, I know it wasn't a mom. It, pop, it, it was but... almost like a Norman Rockwell painting. Yeah. Like there'd be like a like a cop sitting there on the table, mm-hmm. like complaining about something, like the. Uh, the uh, the owner uh, knew you somehow, yes. you know. But yeah, it absolutely. Was, it was I had great. a rapport with this guy. He was great, yeah. you know. And like he would he would he he would keep it fucking freezing in there. Like the like the windows <laughs> Ooh, were like nice. the windows yeah. were like fogged up. You couldn't even see in there because it was like <laughs> seen from the air conditioning, you know. And uh, so like on the weekend, I'd be there pretty much every day. And then when a week like we had to go, like girls would go in there, like you know, or just people going out, you know, and they're wearing like. Uh, Party dresses are all exposed. And they complain. Mm-hmm. They complain about like, oh my god, it's so cold. Like, you know, complain about it, and like, you do something about it. And, he, and <laughs> I remember one time I was in line, and that is why I love them forever. And he goes, he just leans, <laughs> he goes, he leans into she complaining. He goes, I goes, I work here. He goes, in a little bit, I make it colder. He's like, as as you leave. <laughs> and I was like, oh man, this guy's the best. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, you that's tell them, great. you tell them yeah. this is our place. Like, I work here. You're getting out of here, you know. And I make it colder. So I love this guy. We would go back and forth, and I remember after 9-11, eleven, I'd be like, ah, oh, that's a tough one, huh? So I guess you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna move, or uh, <laughs> like he would try to like show his opinion of what happened. I'm like, yeah, I don't listen. I'll listen to you, but uh, don't say this to any customers. Like, come out, you know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> whatever your thesis of why this happens. And so, yeah, things were... The, the dynamic changed and 7-Eleven bought it out and uh, it was never the same. And now I miss Whitehead, Whitehead Pantry, another victim of 9-11. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I haven't thought of Whitehead Pantry in years, mm-hmm. but that's uh, that's good. And it was right after 9-11 that that, yep. uh, that happened. Yeah, that's exactly right. And then corporations... It ruined uh, late night eating in Chicago by killing <laughs> off uh, Whitehead Pantry. Uh-huh. And it... it, it it ruined airport boarding. I mean, those, yeah. those are uh, the two long-term drinking consequences to 9-11, in my opinion, is airport drinking is less fun and gas yes. station food in Chicago is not as good. Airport drinking used to be the absolute <clears throat> best. And it's just much more innocent time. They don't let, they, they, I mean, it was encouraged by them, too, you know. It was the only place you could do this anonymous drinking, the in and out, you know, you were, you know, names. You no could anonymous. go in, yeah, you could go in and out of the airport uh, more easily than a movie theater. Yeah. Uh, like before 9 11. It was a great, um, it was a great first date. Meet me at the airport bar. <laughs> we, I remember my buddy and I, this is a story, I mean, it, it tangentially has nothing to do with 9-11 but uh when the uh you know now cleveland guardians then cleveland indians made it into the playoffs for the first time in like uh-huh. 30 years in 1995 you had to call Ticketmaster to get tickets and we you know there were we knew that Ticketmaster didn't have enough phone lines so you would always get like um like a busy signal right so but we also knew that the um line for people who had hearing problems was a separate line uh, so we're like, well, where, like, where do machines exist that, um, you know, y- y- we could just use one of these? And somebody said, oh, the airport has them, like, because uh, people, deaf people, always have to redo their itineraries, like in bad weather. So the airport's filled with them. So we went into an airport drunk and just spent a day there. <laughs> Calling Ticketmaster <laughs> to try and get baseball tickets. <laughs> and a hearing like, no Im- one... hearing impaired abled phone. Has yeah, no, going to hearing line. impaired abled Jeez, phones to genius. call tick. Yeah, to call Ticketmaster, and there was like no issues whatsoever uh, yeah. doing that inside an airport. Just walking in, you know. I mean, I, I think we had our car parked out front with the hazards on for like a few hours like there was zero Sorry. security yeah. uh just just don't mind don't mind that officer i was gonna get a couple tickets to see albert bell play next week and then i'll be right back where's my destination the world series <laughs> oh man well that's gonna do my flying today. cleveland indians pitching that's hilarious <laughs> going all the way jim tobey um 
quick, just tell us what we're up to. You can follow me on Instagram at CJ Sullivan was taken or Twitter at CJ Sullivan underscore and uh, subscribe to my other podcast, The Bottom Line Bombs, The Man in the Box, perfect for football season. Um, other than that, Sean, what do you got going on besides the live Friday show at the Lincoln Lodge of the Blackout Diaries every week? Every week, 10 p.m. Uh, we're also going to be part of a new comedy festival. I think this will come out before that at the end of September yes. at our very own Lincoln Lodge. Yes, I might be coming in for that. By oh, the way, nice. there's a whole uh, oh, bride, Brido book panel thing that I might be. We're going to see what oh. the travel budget is. I might be able to get out there for it. Okay. Which I heard. Which right. I heard. Well, which I also heard. You're. He, it's real quickly. It's funny because he's telling me who's in it. He's like, yeah, Kumail might do it. You know, Hannibal, blah blah blah. It's like Flannery's a maybe, maybe. Like Flannery's a maybe. He lives right down the street. What, what's his maybe for? Andy, but I think I thought I was going to be out of town uh, was, the weekend. But, I, was, but I, was, I, I would never say no to him. No, if I, 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 I know that. I know that I was just laughing because yeah. I'm like I'm like and I'm like oh he must be out of town I'm like wait a minute no he's doing the show right there that night like in the same theater not even where he lives like he's doing I, the show I think the same I theater. thought I think yeah I think... I'll probably be too drunk for that I'm not gonna be able to make that I, I, I just like I just like <laughs> say you're a baby a month in yeah. advance for like no and that's a big drinking night for me sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a religious, uh, you, yeah. you know. It's like I'm. Hey, I respect I, it. I can't work on that day. I can't work on Saturday night. I respect I'm too it. drunk. So yeah. I would love to make that, and you not. <laughs> but you being in town, but you just being in the theater next to it. <laughs> so check all that out, yep. and uh, leave us a five star review, and tell fifty thousand of your friends about the podcast. There it is.